Trevor, thank you for coming. Of course, I'm glad to be here, I'm not so sure. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here. And uh, for those who are maybe new to this, every month or so we have an opportunity on a Sunday evening, having shared communion together, to tune in to what God is doing in the lives of one or two individuals. And, and that's the context for tonight. Today is a day of marking the retirement of Trevor as an elder. Uh, but it's, it's very much around this uh, worship of the Lord. And we've been singing great songs. Thank you, Vic, for leading us. I love all of those songs. And they're songs that we will sing, it seems, forever. 10,000 years and then forever more. Uh, some of the words in that song, I don't want to apply directly to Trevor. Uh, your time has come, etc. <laughs> but uh, I do hope that we have a sense of practicing that song that we're going to sing forever, of how God has worked in our lives. And I do think that's what heaven is going to be a lot of the time saying, do you know how the Lord worked in my situation and I'm praising him forever and ever for that. So, uh, Trevor, thank you for uh, the way in which you're willing to tell us a bit about your life and uh, it'll be the everyday stuff, as the work stuff, the home stuff, as well as the church stuff. And uh, we hope that we all catch a sense of how the cross casts its shadow over that. Let's go back to family. Tell us, uh, Windsor's one of those churches where we don't tend to know families that have grown up here and lived here forever and ever. So uh, take us to your family. Where, where are you from? And uh, what are some of the influences? How, how has that shaped you as a person, Trevor? I hope not to keep you here for 10,000 years, but we, <laughs> um, we've got, uh, there's a lot to say and I have to be grateful to what God has done um, over the years in my life. I think the first thing I want to say is that those who have, of, who have brought up in a Christian home never forget the benefit and the legacies you have. Uh, my parents were Christians. This was a home where God's name was uh, honored, where his word was taught, and where Jesus' uh, example was modeled. And that's the start in my life. And that is something which, for which I'd be very grateful for, for all of my life, because I think that's important um, in how it has shaped me and who I am. So um, it was a Christian family. My, my grandfather, Taylor, um, was married in uh, Mount Pottinger Baptist Church in 1899. Um, he had been a, the family were Presbyterians, but he married a Baptist. And since then, the Taylors have been Baptists. Um, the, uh, my maternal grandmother, my mother's mother, um, and, father, and her, her husband grew up on a, on a farm in County Meath. And they were very active in offering hospitality on the farm for all sorts of missionaries and um, clerical people who needed rest and recuperation. And they were very generous. And my grandmother, I still have letters that my grandmother wrote me when I was a child. Um, mm. She was a very godly woman. And that was something which was, again, something which shaped me and who I am. So they, um, we grew up in, in Bangor, in the, and we went to what was only, there was only one Baptist church then, now there are three. Um, and the, um, it was an important part of the way I grew up. Uh, Dad had been, um, was church secretary and elder and heavily involved in all things Baptist. Um, he served on like a Baptist college committee for years and there was a, a very much a, an involvement there 
Um, but I think what the two influences on my life as I was a ch as I was growing up were two things. Well, obviously there were three. There's the home as well. Mm. Um, we were encouraged to go to CSSM in, in, ba in Ballyhome, and I became a Christian then when I was nine. I remember um, <coughs> at that time thinking, and I was nine, saying, I. I think I'd made some sort of commitment when I was five, but that was on the basis of not really understanding an awful lot, but more like, I want Jesus to be my friend. Um, and then I remember it definitely at nine, praying that God, if it wasn't real at five, I want to be real now. So that's how I started off. Um, the Ballyhome CSSM, um, at that time, this was sometime in the early part of them, in about the middle of the last century, uh, if I could emphasize that. Um, and one of the leaders was a chap called Hudson Pope, who was a bachelor from Harrogate in England, uh, who came across every year to, to run the schism there. And he, sorry, and he was, um, uh, he wrote the, one of the courses we sometimes sing, cleanse me from my sin, Lord, he wrote that. Mm -hmm. So um, he, was, uh, he was an influence, and I remember writing to him when I became a Christian and got a letter back from him. Um, the other influence, I think, as I was growing up in church was um, Christian Endeavor. Um, and there was C in this church um, way, way back. Um, for a while, and, um, but it, it then changed and the youth work changed. But certainly I'm a Christian endeavor um, because of the way it was structured, the commitments you had to make, the involvement of everybody was actually very formative in terms of actually developing skills and how to communicate and how to share and not just to sit there. Mm -hmm. So I think the Christian endeavor was important uh, as, as how I grew up in, in Hamilton Road Church. And that was, um, that was, uh, that was a major thing. So um, the other thing that I started off when I was about 11, I joined um, I was Crusaders. My dad had been a uh, Crusader leader in Bangor. He started that group in 1934, and when mm -hmm. I was 11, I joined into the group. It wasn't a very big group. There must have been about 10 or 11 of us. Um, because they were all squashed into our sitting room. Um, but it gradually expanded and, and grew from that. But Crusaders was something which gave me an opportunity to um, learn. So I was involved in Crusaders for about 40 years uh, as man and boy, but not in that order. <laughs> um, and um, it was something in which I was able to, able to learn and to share my, my faith. Um, the whole idea of, in, in leadership in Crusaders was one of in, um, empowering young people, of discipling them, of training them uh, so that they could mature and, and then become leaders in themselves. And some of them did that and became ministers and missionaries and things like that. So there's a whole uh, atmosphere in there of, of, of service. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's how I, um, I grew up in, um, in, in, in Bangor. So mm -hmm. it was a a formative time and I think it's important that people think about if you've got a Christian heritage in your family be grateful for it and use it because it's important and if you're a, a, a young parent now this is unscripted uh, for goodness sake get involved in this and this is part of important for your own children mm -hmm. um, so it's a um, because if you look if you I've struck here a couple of years ago we had a the one of the youth services when the, when the young people were here and I thought to myself Look around here. These young people are the future of the church. These are going to be the deacons and the elders and the people who are running the committees in years to come. So if you people people are in clay tonight, let's pray for them because they're the future of this church as well as mm. the future of other places as well. So mm. that, the training is what was part, part of it. It's, 
it'll come later to my, my job, where training was an important issue as well. Okay, well but I think this, this is what, what I'd say is, in terms of, you, the question was about family. Mm -hmm. The question is, I was grown up in a Christian family where I was taught, and it's where we would want to, to model the whole situation. Mm. Trevor, we could talk about uh, Bangor, the church plant from Hamilton Road was the one that influenced me. Rosemary Park was the first church plant from Hamilton Road and lots of uh, crossovers there. But uh, let's fast forward to what you've just said about your career. How did you, when did you choose to be a doctor and what was, the, uh, what was behind that choice? I decided when I was 12, 12 that I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and there's a story behind that. Um, I, my grandmother, um, uh, the Irish grand, yeah, my Irish grandmother, if I can call her that, um, had uh, four, five sons, one of whom became a missionary and went to India in 1946, uh, just after the war, to reopen a hospital that had been closed during the war. He was due to come home for furlough, because in those days, missionaries went to India in a boat and they took five years away and never came back for the whole five years. Now they fly overnight in their home. Um, but he, he went away and there was a talk of him coming home on furlough, but there was no one to open and keep the hospital going. Mm. So in my innocence and my youth, I said, I will become a doctor and I'll go. That's how it started. So I did the right subjects in school. I think it was, yeah, um, I think it was right, it was right for me. I, I, but it, that, so that's what started at the age mm -hmm. of 12, I'd said I wanted to be a doctor. And then I got and went and did A-levels and things. So I got, failed my chemistry A-level. Yep, it's true. And I had to go back to, back to school for another year and then reset the exam and eventually passed it and uh, got into medical school in Queens. Um, and that was very important because um, I developed friendships in, in Queens. There were quite a few Christians in our group, um, and that's where I met Alison. Alison and I got together, but that's another story. Oh no, let's um, don't, don't leave that bit out. Well, I would leave it all out. Um, and um, but there were Christians that were supportive, and when we had we had uh, lunch a couple of weeks ago with people we were at Queens with 50 years ago, because uh, they're still supportive friends. Mm. So there, that was important. So Queens was important, and that's how I started off. Mm -hmm. um, Did you ever get to India? I never got to India. Where, where did you get to? Um, we'll come to that. Okay. Um, yeah. um, yes, they, they, I, I, when I trained, I, I got it from my first job was in the Royal. They now call it F1. And uh, I was sent to work in the fracture department um, so that it, it wasn't my choice. They said, you're going to work in the fracture clinic for three months. <clears throat> and I went into that and I took to them and I said, right, this is what I want to do. Uh, I just, it was, it was the right thing for me. So that's how that developed. So mm -hmm. as my surgical career and training went on, I opted into orthopedics and they were gracious enough to accept me into training. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, there's a whole issue in there about how I actually got trained. And is that your next question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You think we nearly prepared this, Jim? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be a, sh a shame if we hadn't. Um, the, uh, so I decided I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. Um, and when you get to the end of your, your and certainly in those days, when you got to, towards the end of your training, people would say to you, where are you going to go away to get trained somewhere else? Because you don't want to have all your training done in one centre. So they, I was told to go and find yourself somewhere to go elsewhere. Um, and a friend of mine who'd just come back from Canada recommended that I should go to work in Toronto. Now, um, this is another example 
of uh, how God led me. We were singing this morning in uh, My Guardian about mm. I, I go before you. And I think what I'm going to tell you now, in fact, was so clear an example of God going before me. It's unbelievable. Mm. Uh, I don't believe in coincidence anymore. Uh, what happened was I wrote to the, the chiefs of training in four different hospitals in Toronto, the big hospitals. And, and can I have a job as a, what's called a fellow, at an end of training post for a year? And they all wrote back and said, no, 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 no. But the chap who was in charge in the children's hospital said, no, but we could offer you a job for six months um, as a resident, which is a, a lesser form of life um, in the hospital. And... Uh, <laughs> Oh, it is. Um, and the question was, uh, would we go uh, for six months? On, and the answer was, we felt it was right to go for a year. So we rented out our house for a year. Um, we, uh, and we took off. And um, I paid my super ran for the year ahead to make sure I didn't lose my pension in the long run. And um, I got a job in the children's hospital for six months. And that was great fun. I got, worked with a lot of interesting people. I learned an awful lot and it was uh, very beneficial. Mm. When we went to Canada, uh, we flew on a Tuesday, I never forget it. Um, I had a week before I started the work. And the question is, where do you live? Um, so we had, a, Alice had an uncle who lived in Oshawa, 40 miles out of Toronto, and he um, arranged for us to spend a night in a, a what was it, church, Presbyterian church accommodation. It was um, available for missionaries and people like that who were coming and going. And he somehow managed to wangle us. He was a Presbyterian minister, and he managed to get us into that. We were there for a night or two, and then we thought, we've got to get somewhere to live. So I signed up for a um, rental agency, and I went along and spent a whole day going through their books and books and books. But the problem is, if you go to a strange city, you don't know the difference between Turf Lodge and, Tull and, and Tully Carnot. Um, so um, it was a question that it was, we thought of an area and we rang them up and said, oh no, no we wouldn't go and, you wouldn't go and live there. Um, so we, um, we, we drew a blank. I came back from the office, uh, hadn't found anywhere to live. Um, so the next morning um, we uh, sat down and the children at this age were three, almost two and six months. All right? So we had to get a place for them as well. Um, and we had a praying for house day. Nigel was three, so we involved him in this, praying for house day. Mm. Uh, so we prayed that God would provide accommodation for us. And uh, I rang the office at nine o'clock in the morning, and somewhere had come on the books overnight. Mm. I didn't do it. Somebody did it, but the, the place was there. So uh, we arranged for somebody to take us out to have a look at this place, um, which wasn't ideal. It was, um, it was near a park. It had a garden. Uh, some people, when they go for a year, they want to live in an apartment block because it's convenient, but we decided we wanted a garden and a bit of space. So it meant about 40 minutes commuting backwards and forwards. But we went and looked at this house. It was not ideal. There were problems with it, which we overcame. Um, so we had a nice house. We had left our house in Belfast nice and clean and tidy and well furnished and rented out for nice people who were going to pay for it. We went to Toronto expecting to find the same, but no, we didn't. Mm -hmm. So in fact, we had bought ourselves an empty house. It had uh, carpets and uh, sort of curtains. Um, it had a, uh, a cooker, a stove in the, in the, in the house, that's about it. So the next morning we had a praying for furniture day. <laughs> um, by the way, the job was to start on the Saturday, on the Tuesday, and this was Saturday morning. Um, 
so the next morning, uh, Alice's uncle Freddie turned up uh, with, uh, and he produced a notebook and a pencil, and he said, "You folks are going to need some uh, furniture, aren't you?" Um, we said, "Yes." Um, he said, "You know, uh, just the ten days before we went, uh, Alice's great aunt, uh, Aunt Jessie, had died." Quite suddenly, we'd been looking forward to seeing her, but there was no, um, that wasn't going to happen, she died. Uncle Freddie said to us, uh, I'm the executor of Jesse's flat, uh, and Jesse's apartment, uh, state, and you can have her apartment, and it's con you can have her contents of her apartment. So we found ourselves with uh, kitchen chairs that hadn't been taken out of their wrappers. We had an electric uh, frying pan, we had a television, we had everything we needed, apart from, uh, we bought a second-hand picnic table. Mm. Uh, coffee table, which we got in the Salvation Army uh, second-hand food uh, furniture store, and that was how we got our accommodation. Mm. And then we moved in on the Monday, and there were there were problems with the house, but I was sorted those out because I'd gone to work. Um, but that was an example. I can, can't get over emphasize enough how we could see God leading us. He said, "Well, you're meant to go there," um, and then He provided this accommodation. You've all got a question. What happened after six months? What happened after six months? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what happened was, after about three months, I thought to myself, mm, I better get myself a job for January. Um, so I went around the hospital in person this time rather than just writing a letter. And they all said, and the chaps said, uh, no, no, no. So I came back to the boss I was working with in the hospital for sick children in Toronto. And I said, so-and-so is leaving in January. Um, can I have his job for six months? And he said, yes. So we had a job for a year. Okay. So I spent eight months working with this particular surgeon who was an interesting character in, in his own right. Um, but I learned a lot. And that's how we had a year away um, in, uh, in Toronto uh, and how God led us and provided for us. And I think mm -hmm. that's just it's something I'll never forget, mm -hmm. how God led us. And that was just something which we can look back on and, and just give, give thanks for what it was like. So that's just um, important. I'm going to come back to your, your question you asked a few minutes ago. I sound like a prime minister coming back to the question you asked a few minutes ago. Um, the, where, where did I end up? I didn't get to India. Um, I came back and got a consultant job the following year uh, in Belfast uh, in the Matter Hospital. It was a new job. It was created um, that, uh, that year. It, there was a change in the service development, um, service delivery, and they were appointing an orthopedic surgeon, and they wanted somebody to go there and look after the fractures. Uh, so I went there and I was there for 18 years. I managed to do, at the same time, work in the children's hospital in Musgrave Park doing adults and children's, uh, orth both orthopedics. Um, but I wanted to do children's mainly. So my last 10 years, I resigned from the matter and got a job in children's for the last uh, 10 years doing, doing children's orthopedics. So there was a whole uh, interest in there of uh, how my life changed. Um, and I didn't end up in India. Uh, I ended up in Belfast, but then I was able to get involved in, still involved in Crusaders for all that time, and then um, obviously got involved in Windsor as well. Mm -hmm. and, and Windsor, will come to Windsor, but what about opportunities in the workplace? Uh, you're returning from Canada, changed through all of this, you go before me, experienced as it were. Did you see opportunities in the workplace, in somewhere like the matter? Yes. Um, they, were, um, they were fascinated to have this Baptist coming to work in the Matter Hospital. For those of you who don't know, the, the Matter Hospital was founded, I think, in 1883 or something like that by the Sisters of Mercy. 
Um, when the health service, National Health Service, was uh, set up in 1948, they, uh, the matter decided for um, eth ethical reasons to stay out. And so they, they privately funded the, the service that they provided there until uh, in 1972 they came back into the service, uh, as in National Health Service. Um, but the, um, so when I went there five years later, uh, I think I was the third or fourth Protestant who had been appointed to the staff. It was it had a very strong Catholic ethos. Um, there's another story. At one stage, when I was chairman of the medical staff committee, the, the, the Eastern Health Board were, were trying to uh, change the, the uh, service delivery of the A&E department. It was my job as the chairman of the consultants committee uh, to uh, resist this. So I ended up on the uh, on uh, seen around, you know, on the radio program at five o'clock on the on the Ulster News, uh, defending the ethos of the Matter Hospital, which people who were listening on the radio really crashed their cars listening to me. Um, but that's what you know. The Matter gave me an opportunity to talk to people who were not familiar with my background, um, and I'm still in touch with people who are interested in faith, and, and we have to set up discussions about that. Mm -hmm. So it's um, it was an opportunity. Um, uh, I know that when some of the staff came to my father's funeral, um, which being a, I suppose a Baptist funeral, which there was a lot of joy and hope and talk of resurrection and tremendous singing, mm -hmm. and they weren't used to that. Right. But they were very impressed with the whole idea of hope. And so there were opportunities there to uh, talk to people about faith and what it believes mm -hmm. in, and that's it's still doing that. Trevor, you mentioned this morning that you arrived in Windsor coming out of a difficult experience. What is it, I'm not asking you to go into the history of that, but what was it you needed from a church when you arrived here? I needed, I needed space. Okay. Um, we, we needed space. Um, it wasn't an easy decision um, to, to leave that church. Uh, there, there were issues, the thing had ch changed. And there were other people who left at the same time, or, or round about that time, and went in different directions. We came here. But, um, why did I come to Windsor? That's the question we ask for the interview of members and applications. Why do you, why Windsor? The answer is I, I knew, I'd met Roy McMillan a couple of times, and I obviously knew um, George Johnson um, professionally, and that was about the only contact we had. Mm. Um, but we came looking for space. Obviously, we were looking for teaching. Mm -hmm. um, but what we found, as I said this morning, we found welcome and uh, acceptance. Um, I think that's been a characteristic of Windsor mm. over the years, is that a willingness for people to come as they are and at their own speed get involved or not get involved. Mm -hmm. um, I think there'll be other people here who will, will, mm -hmm. will understand that. Yeah. It was an issue of um, welcome uh, and um, acceptance. Uh, Trevor, I do remember the first Sunday that Jan and I came here. You were at the door it mightn't have been the very first Sunday, but it was one of the Sundays you were on, and your welcome to us expressed that same sentiment in that you wanted us to enjoy church and to be welcomed to the door of a church with that sense of excitement and anticipation. Other people would be entering into the joy of being together was a memorable experience, and we haven't forgotten that. So there's uh, I must confess, I have forgotten that. Oh, <laughs> thank you. For, yeah. Yeah. You're involved in church life, crusaders, family, three hospitals. Uh, how did you cope with all of those things in the midst of a very busy time? You talked about 
representing groups of consultants, etc. How, how do you cope? It was, it was too busy. Uh, it was actually, it was too busy. I think I overdid it. Okay. Um, and I think my health suffered for it. Um, just doing too many things. I think the issue is, a lot of people in Christian service know that you ask, if you want something done, you ask somebody who's really busy. Mm. Um, and I think I just maybe took on too much and was just trying to keep too many balls in the air. Mm. Um, uh, I suppose it's something I, I, I enjoyed all the things I was doing. And mm. It was very difficult to, to slow that down. Um, Crusaders was, was important, um, particularly from, we got married in 1970 and I got involved in a crusader group in South Belfast, which used to meet in uh, St. Peter Road, Presbyterian. Um, and we had, a, we had a good team there, but mm -hmm. it, was, it, was hard, it was busy. Mm -hmm. We had a Sunday afternoon um, session with the young people. Uh, we had a Wednesday night where we met as leaders, either to pray or have for Bible study. Uh, and then there were all the weekends away and uh, camps and all the other things that go along with part of that. Um, so I, I, I kept that going. Um, and. Uh, that's maybe why I didn't get quite as involved in Windsor as I would like to have, because the small, small groups, I couldn't really manage that because of Wednesday nights. Um, we came to this church in 86, um, from, I say, from somewhere else, and we were looking for space and comfort and warmth, and we got it, and that's why we stayed. And I said this morning, but both of us got involved fairly early on mm -hmm. in all that was going on in, in, in Windsor. Mm -hmm. Because um, it's that sort, of, that sort of church where people are able to come in and uh, uh, and, and be there, offer themselves and, and be used. There's a whole scope for, for involving people. Mm. Trevor, you uh, you're you're not going to be uh, telling us lots, I'm sure, about your health and your own personal story because that's not the kind of person you are. But I remember seeing you as a very active, busy, uh, coping person, flattened for months on end. Uh, the experience of being a patient, I'm sure, was a big contrast to the experience of being the surgeon who is making decisions on... Incisions. Incisions. Incisions yep. and decisions about uh, life and death issues. Uh, is, there, is there something from that experience that you carry over into other aspects of church life or, or your own personal experience? I'm not sure what the question is there, but tell us what you oh, want. I, to think I'll try, I think I'll try to answer it. Um, the point is that you, part of being a, a doctor is learning respect for people. Mm. You have to respect your own skills, but your own inability, your own limitations. Um, and you have to or represent or recognize the anxiety of the patient. So when I became a patient, and I was, it was basically post-viral fatigue syndrome that went on for months and months, um, uh, I had to learn patience um, and, and to trust. And I'd have to say, looking back at my diary that I kept when I was ill, it was, uh, there were times of frustration. Um, uh, in looking for, wondering how long, the thing about having some of viral illness is you don't know how long it's going to last, and that's the uncertainty of it. If you've got a broken leg, you know, you know it's so many weeks and months it'll be healed, but if you've got some sort of virus, it may never get better. Mm -hmm. um, so that it's, um, that was, it was the issue of, of trust, uh, mm -hmm. the, the people who were looking after me knew what they were doing, 
um, and trusting in God that he would look after me as well. So there were certain um, verses I, I wrote down in my diary about, th about things that were important to me, things that came to me in the middle of the night. Mm. Um, but it was, it's a different, I think, it answers respect for your own body, but for uh, those who are looking after you as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a, it wasn't an easy question. I hope I give you a sort of sensible well, answer. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you arrived in 1986. Mm -hmm. a very different church. Oh, yes. The church has uh, experienced lots of change. Can you identify what it is or who it is that was, in a sense, facilitating that change or, or encouraging it? Um, I think the one person who started change in this hospital, in this church, was uh, Roy McMullen. Um, Roy uh, was the pastor here before we came. And I think one of the things that impressed us when we arrived was he wasn't, he personally wasn't here. And where was he? He was on a pastoral visit to two missionaries in Africa. He'd gone out to see Tony and Thompson and Dorothea in different parts of West Africa, of Central East and West Africa. And we thought to ourselves, this is a church that sends its pastor out to visit missionaries. We hadn't come across that before. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that was, that was one of the things. So he was innovative in that sense. Um, and he did produce a lot of change. I mean, they um, encouraged people to get involved, um, invo involved in other people leading services. Um, he was um, chaplain at the university uh, the Baptist, for the Baptist mm -hmm. denomination. And I think that was one of the things, one of the places where I can make out in the history of the church that maybe that's when students started to appear. Um, and as you know, they were particularly in, um, Chinese. They got involved at that stage, and Roy was very good. He could remember all these strange Chinese names. Um, uh, and he was very attentive in, in that pastoral role. And, and the, uh, the Chinese met here on a regularly, on, I think, on Sunday afternoons and eventually they formed the Chinese Christian Church, but Roy was, in, uh, was starting off in that. Mm -hmm. The other uh, change that I think he was keen to introduce was the whole idea of encouraging women to take part in, uh, in, in church life. Mm -hmm. um, and we, uh, for those of you who are new to this, we, uh, the first women deacons were appointed in this church, I think about 1991. Um, mm -hmm. So we were ahead of some other people. That. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that was on the, on the basis that if people have gift, let them use it. Um, so we encouraged people to, to do. So Roy was an innovator in that sense. So I think the, the whole way students were developing mm -hmm. and then the whole way ch the church moved. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's, that was one of the major changes, major and went on from there. Mm -hmm. And then the church grew and grew and that's why we, we have had to move to a new building. Mm -hmm. And we're, I suppose, uh, always changing, semper reformata or whatever, but what is it that you feel we still need to uh, encourage change in, in church life? In our own personal lives as well. It's per it, it is personal. I think, um, if I can um, just go on to the next bit, it's really what I think is, has this changed me? How am I different? Um, and just, can I just reflect that on uh, one of the studies we did some years ago was the um, the frontline studies, we did that in small groups. We looked at where are, my, where are my front lines and who do I meet on my front lines and where do we get from there. But I think, just to bring it up to date, the whole issue of looking at spiritual disciplines 
uh, in the last few months has been really important. And I think the encouragement that we were given to get hold of Whitney's book and read it um, has changed my views um, somewhat. Um, the whole idea of Bible intake, reading the Bible, was something which I've done since I was a child. I've been, I've been subscribing to SU Notes for, I don't know, too many years, since I was a kid. But intake is one thing, but it's just the whole idea of encouraging meditation on what you're reading and how that led on to, uh, to prayer or to, to journaling. And I, although I'd been keeping a, a, a book of quotes and comments and things like that for about the last four or five years, it's only the whole idea of we were encouraged to do some journaling and write down more. I, I find that really very encouraging mm -hmm. and that's what I've been doing. So I don't know whether other people have changed their um, practices because of the teaching, but that's, that's something that's important to me. And I, 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 I still encourage people, I don't, I'm one of the people who takes sermon notes, I write, scribble away during the sermons, and I, I then go back and look at the notes, and it's all there. Mm -hmm. um, and I would encourage people to do that, because I think that's, that's what I have learnt, is the whole value of um, uh, the Bible, Bible reading. But the, the other thing which I want to say today is sort of uh, is that I, I've also got an increasing awareness uh, recent, over the last week while of the, the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit is something which was so evident in when you read the New Testament, particularly the New Testament, about healing, about resurrection, and all the change there. But that same Spirit is available to us. Mm -hmm. So when we sing that song, there's one of the songs we sing, it's the last line of it, the same Spirit is in us. That, to me, is, I, I've had an increasing awareness of the importance of that. Mm. So if your question is, how do we encourage people to move that, then you've got to be open to the Spirit. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not into um, um, all the uh, uh, outward signs of, of, of people who claim to be full of the Spirit, but I think it's important that how you live, mm. uh, and that is, to me, is the... It's something that is to be encouraged, and if you're asking how, how do you want how do you want the church to change, you, you've got to get this. Uh, people are, are going to be closer involved in the spirit, and if they're making a daily commitment, they're committing each day to God. That's what you can't do. That you ask to God to lead you. Then, when, I don't believe in coincidence anymore. You go to places and you somebody says and you somebody some, there's somebody you want or need to talk to. And you realise when you are finished, that was actually spirit-led. You were meant to actually be there to talk to some people. It happened to us a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and it's, a, it's important to be, to be open to what the spirit is saying. Um, and that's, that's what I've picked up from in recently. Obviously, over the years, I've learned a lot in Bible knowledge. Um, I, was, I think that's one of the things that I learned as a child as well. Mm -hmm. um, actual facts about the Bible. I mean, how many people under the age of 25 can recite all the 20, 66 books of the Bible in the right order? Um, um, so Should we have a test? No, we'll not do a test. No, no. Yeah, okay. you know, no does Joel come before or after Amos? Uh, you know, um, so um, I think uh, there's a tradition, I say, that takes me back to where we started in the sermons of my family and how I, was, how I was brought up and how I was trained and the example I saw in my parents. Um, so that, um, yeah, I think... You're, if you're going to take that through, then you look to see how is the Spirit working in somebody's life now. And I think getting Vickers encouraged us even like tonight to do that. So I think that's important. Trevor, I think that's a great note to uh, end on. I'm going to give you an opportunity to say anything else you want under the broad question, how can we pray for you? 
but uh, I do want to say thank you for letting us see what trusting the one who goes before us looks like. And we're grateful for your service. We've said that this morning. Uh, there's so many aspects of that that we'll miss, but we also are wanting to see you going on changing and want to pray for you in that process. So. Well, there are two things I'll say about that. First of all, uh, after this morning's presentation and down in Fane Street, several people said to Alice, you're not leaving, are you? Um, <clears throat> and the next thing is what we said at the church meeting here in November, when I was asked a question, I said, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere, I'm staying, you know, I'm not leaving, so we, we are going to be here. Okay. So I think if you want to pray is that we will continue to be of service to God in this place, and in our family and in our lives, um, all our contacts outside here, and... Um, just pray that we will be part of that because mm. that's what we've been doing and we want to go on doing it. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Trevor. Mm. 